Ref Focus with Maples Teasdale, the law firm where real estate really matters. Hello, and welcome to this special edition of the Ref Focus or Refocus podcast, where we discuss our top tips on current market topics. I'm Brooke. And I'm Catherine. Today, we welcome Tim Dodd, Maples Teasdale's hotel expert, onto the show to discuss some key characteristics of management, franchise and non-disturbance agreements. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here. Tim, to kick us off, could you please give us a high-level overview of the state of the UK hotels industry at the moment? Yes, good question. The hospitality industry in general has been weathering a terrible storm since lockdown. Whilst it was starting to show signs of relief before the interest rate was recently increased to 5%, It had been fighting against spiralling energy costs, high costs of utilities and a depleting workforce further to some of the effects of Brexit. You can also add in the high rate of inflation, which the interest rate has been increased to try to temper, a general squeeze on guests' disposable income and the high cost of debt preventing hoteliers from being able to finance or refinance their assets. And the situation has not been great. What have banks with security over hotel assets been doing in this climate? Have they been tempted to pull the plug? The banks realise that the whole industry is in the same boat and they're willing where possible to keep their secured assets trading to help them back to health. Also, if they were to pull the plug and NDAs are in place, and we'll get on to NDAs later, then they would immediately take ownership of the asset themselves and in turn assume the role of the hotel owner if there's a management agreement in place or the role of a franchisee under a franchised arrangement. And they probably wouldn't have the expertise or experience to perform the obligations of either role and would therefore need to spend time and money looking for a suitable assignee. So banks will try to keep the hotel trading rather than enforcing their security. Thanks, Tim. And without further ado, here are some of the key provisions to look out for in management, franchise and non-disturbance agreements. You just mentioned management agreement and franchise agreements. What's the difference between them? Well, in very simple terms, under a management agreement arrangement, the owner of the hotel engages an operator, which may or may not be one of the big international hotel brands, to run the hotel business on the owner's behalf for a nominal fee. The owner will own the property and the business and be entitled to all profits that it makes, but will also be exposed to the negative aspects of ownership when there is, for example, a slowdown in the market. It will also have to fund the design, the construction, the fit-out. It will have to provide working capital to keep the business afloat. And it will need to make all necessary expenditures to the building system, the roof and the structure in the event of damage. But I think most significantly, other than where the operator is grossly negligent, fraudulent or exercises willful misconduct, the owner will also be on the hook to indemnify the operator against all third-party claims, even those brought about by the operator's own negligence. Under a franchise agreement, on the other hand, the brand is not on the floor operating the hotel. The day-to-day operation will either be undertaken by the owner itself or by a third-party operating company who the owner may engage under a slimmed-down management agreement. Under the franchise structure, the franchisor is the hotel brand, for example, a Marriott, Hilton, Hyatt, Accor, etc. In exchange for a franchise fee, it will provide a license to the owner, as franchisee under the relationship, to operate its hotel using the franchisor's trademarks and intellectual property. 
and also to benefit from the use of the franchisor's distribution system, such as its reservation system, its sales and marketing expertise to its existing client base, and its guest loyalty scheme to the extent that there is one. So I assume you've negotiated both types of contract on behalf of both parties? What would you say are the key aspects of a management agreement that an operator brand would need to include? Yes, so I've acted for both sides on both management and franchise agreement negotiations. On a hotel management agreement, in an ideal world, the operator would want to be left alone to operate the hotel in accordance with its operating standards with minimal interference from the owner. It would also expect to be indemnified by the owner against third-party claims, as we've earlier discussed. It would expect its fees to be a percentage cut of revenue for its base fee and a percentage cut of gross operating profit for its incentive fee. It would expect owner to reimburse all reasonable expenditures the operator makes exclusively related to the operation of the hotel. It would expect to be paid additional sums in consideration for the hotel benefiting from the operator group's international reservation system, the sales and marketing expertise and the loyalty program, all of which are unique offerings the hotel would have driving bookings from the operator's customer base and reservation platforms. It would expect to be able to draw up the annual plan for each operating year with minimal input and comments from the owner. It would expect the owner to insure the property for the replacement value in the event of damage and also business indemnity cover to protect the operator's base and incentive fees for the duration of the term. It would expect the owner to procure non-disturbance agreements from all secured lenders and will also expect owner to provide LTV covenants to ensure that the hotel is not over-leveraged. And on the other side, if we were acting for an owner, what were our client expect to see in the agreement? Well, considering that the hotel is owned by the owner and is run on owner's money, we would expect the operator to assume a strict obligation to act as a professional hotel operator and to covenant at the least to use all reasonable endeavours to maximise revenue returns And we want the owner to have as many controls over the operation as possible without being in interference on the day-to-day operation or the guest experience. This would include an approval right over any pre-opening plan, over each annual plan, over expenditures exceeding a certain amount, over operators' expenses, over engagement of key members of staff, for instance, the general manager, the finance director, and the heads of departments at the hotel and also an ability to terminate the operator if the performance of the hotel after an initial ramp-up period for four or five years is not performing as well as expected. We would also expect an area of protection, which is an area of a certain distance around the hotel, or indeed the whole city within which the hotel is located, within which the operator is not permitted to operate any other hotel under the same flag, thereby protecting the returns that would be made at our hotel. We'd expect the operator to commit to the term and only be able to assign its obligations under the contract further to our approval. We would also want to make carve-outs from the indemnity, firstly by not including under the terms of our indemnity any costs, liability or claims caused by the operator's own gross negligence, fraud or willful misconduct. Now, this could be anything such as fighting with guests, something ridiculous like setting off fireworks inside the building, leaving chemicals exposed and within a guest's reach, creating a betting ring in the ballroom, etc., the mind boggles. And secondly, indicating that the operator can only make a claim under the indemnity 
to the extent that it has firstly exhausted all of its attempts of redress under the insurance policies in place. We would also need the operator to warrant and represent that it owns the trademarks and other intellectual property under which the hotel will be run and has the authority to license them to owner for its use. So as you can see, there are many battlegrounds to be fought over and to find that compromise between both parties. The length of the term under a management agreement is often between 20 to 30 years with an extension option. And where the contract is governed by the laws of England and Wales, there are no implied terms. The parties will only be bound by the words on the page. Therefore, it's not unusual that such contracts take a while to finalise, whilst each party future-proofs their position as much as possible. Thanks, Tim. And for franchise agreements, what are the key concerns there? Well, franchise agreements tend to be quicker to negotiate, roll out and in order to start operations as swiftly as possible. Under jurisdictions with strong franchise regulation and laws, there's often very little room for negotiation at all. As explained earlier, owner will form its own operational entity to run the hotel, and after payment of franchise or fees, distribution services fees, and other traditional operating expenses, the profit of the business goes straight to the owner franchisee. The brand's main concern is that it will be licensing its most treasured asset, which is its name, its trademarks, its goodwill, and its intellectual property, to a third party to use. And the brand will not be at the hotel to ensure that the operations do not cause damage to the reputation of the brand. The franchisor, i.e. the brand, will consequently expect an unlimited ability to inspect the hotel with or without prior notice to ensure that the operation is being undertaken strictly in accordance with the brand's operating standards and will expect immediate rectification of any breaches with a threat of immediate termination if such points are not properly addressed. Some franchise or brands have a very good relationship with owner-franchisees and have signed up to a portfolio of hotels over time operated under this structure. If a franchisee is well known in the marketplace and operates a number of successful hotels under franchise contracts, this is a good indicator of comfort to the franchisor. This being said, however, it would be rare for an upper upscale, a lifestyle or a luxury operation to be run under a franchise arrangement. Such is the level of operational excellence and bespoke brand standards expected from guests staying at the likes of a Waldorf Astoria, a Ritz-Carlton, a Park Hyatt, a Fairmont Hotel, that the brand would insist to operate itself under a management agreement. Finally, you mentioned NDAs, non-disturbance agreements, earlier. Could you explain why these are important? Yes, so if we're acting for a brand and the owner counterparty has taken out debt finance with security over the hotel, we need to protect our client's interest in terms of its ongoing receipt of fees in the event that the owner defaults under its facility and the lender becomes entitled to enforce its security. Our client will seek comfort from the owner covenants in the operational agreement that it will procure a non-disturbance agreement from each secured lender. As a very brief description, a non-disturbance agreement is a form of recognition by the lender that the hotel is being operated under the flag of a third party, and in the event of owner default under its facility agreement and the lender seizing the asset, the lender acknowledges that it will not disturb the operation once it assumes ownership. It will be in the lender's interest anyway that the operation continues without disruption in any event, since retaining the operator's flag and operation in accordance with the brand standards 
could ensure that enough revenue continues to be generated to service outstanding amounts under the loan. And there you have it, Tim's overview of some of the key provisions for management, franchise and non-disturbance agreements. Tim, thank you very much for joining us on today's show. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. And for our listeners, look out for next month's episode and thanks for listening. Ref Focus with Maples Teasdale, the law firm where real estate really matters.